Hello and welcome. This is Too Old for This Shit, where we dissect, think about, pontificate, and watch some of the best and worst action movies from the 80s and 90s. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my co-host, Antonio. Hello, everyone. So, on this podcast, we watch 80s and 90s action films. Now, I grew up watching these films, but Antonio is seeing a lot of them for the first time, giving his us his fresh perspective. My millennial 21st century perspective. So I loved a lot of these films growing up, and I just want to share my love with them. So no matter whether you've seen this on VHS or Blu-ray or whatever, we're going to bring a freshness to the nostalgia. So um, this week, this is actually my first ever Jean-Claude Van Damme film. I'm so glad to initiate you into the fold. <laughs> it is Time Cop. It came out in 1994. It's actually based off of a comic book that was written in 1992. Um Put out by... Uh, Dark Horse Comics. Excellent. And uh, Which was only like a, a three-parter. I actually haven't, I haven't read it. I haven't read it either. I've, I kind of looked it up before we did this, and it doesn't seem to have been that popular. Right. Unlike the film. Right. So, yes, this was the most... This is the highest-grossing Jean-Claude Van Damme film where he's been the main star. The only other film to gross over $100 million worldwide that he's done is Universal Soldier, which I think we will get to eventually We, we well. definitely will. Yeah. Um, I, so, look, of what I, what I know of Jean-Claude Van Damme, probably most from a recent Volvo commercial, I think it was, <laughs> is... Yeah. Uh, Some of his best work, I would say. Is Roundhouse Kicks and The Splits. Yeah. Though that is the Jean-Claude Van Damme staple. So that's what I'm looking out for in this in Time Cop. I've got a list of things that we're going to go through about what <laughs> goes into a Jean-Claude Van Damme. We'll do it after the movie. Okay, now, cool. I'm going to say that I first saw this movie at my friend Josh Ben Simon's house at a sleepover party. I don't know what birthday it was. Probably around 1995. Uh, when yeah, right. you know whatever so whatever it came out on tape. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. After the theatrical release, so his mom like didn't care like what we watched. <sighs> so like going over to, to his house, it was always just open. <laughs> always so a party. You could just see. <laughs> we would watch all the movies that you weren't allowed to watch at your house. You could watch it yep. at his house. Yeah, I had a mate who had those sleepovers too. It was great. All right, um, let's do this. Let's watch Time Cop. Let's go back in time and have a look at Time Cop. In the year 2004, time travel is a reality. I'm still kicking. I must be on Broadway. Oh. Oh. I want to fight a woman. Then don't. What do you want? You're a bright boy. You sleep on it. I did that. Okay, we're, we're back in time. <laughs> right, yes. We're um, back. Time. We're back from the time that we weren't, but now it's changed. But this is this. Looks we're actually in the same timeline still. Yes. No. We are. Well. Yeah. Timelines. I, yeah. So the once you start speaking. This, of, oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Start with the plot. Well. Okay. So basically, it's about where time travel has been invented in 1994. The U.S. government develops a police force, essentially, to police time to make sure people don't take advantage of it. Which we should say, 1994 was contemporary. It was contemporary for its time. Yes, right. The film was contemporary at the time of its creation. Which is actually, yeah, an interesting point to talk about in terms of the production later on. Um, and Jean-Claude Van Damme um, 
aka Agent Max, Max Walker, Walker. <laughs> gets uh, during the time in America when you just throw any random European star with an ang- just give them an Anglo name, they're American now. They, yeah, exactly. Despite the accent, um, and so he has a wife. Um, they he was supposed to be potentially joining this new police force. No one really knows much about it, and his wife gets killed. Um, and then it flashed forward to 10 years later where the NEP, I think is what it's called. Oh, gosh. Oh, TEC. TEC. Time Enforcement. I don't know where I got. There we go. <laughs> Time Enforcement and something. Yeah. <laughs> it really stays with you. Yeah, no, it, it, it really doesn't. Oh. Um, so <laughs> well, this is going to be gonna a have fascinating a di- we're chat. A- <laughs> the TEC, where he's been in the TEC for 10 years, it's 2004, um, and... Basically, their responsibility is to make sure that people don't take advantage of time travel for nefarious purposes, and they go back in time to make sure that people aren't doing weird shit. Like one of the first examples. Do you think he is... policed Biff from Back to the Future? Like, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Back okay. to the Future, not yet, because it's basically that's one taking of my biggest issues. It's taking one plot point from Back to the Future and making a whole movie. It's kind of like Rogue but One in that sense. It's a mi- <laughs> no, it's a. I would say it's a misunderstanding of. <laughs> the Back to the Future two, okay. And then, but Carry I, on. I don't want to. I'm just going to get through the explanation of the plot. So that uh, good examples when um, someone's gone back in time to rob like some Confederate gold. Yep. And um, it's not clear that they've actually uh, time travelers until they pull out automatic weapons and tear up all the Confederate yeah. soldiers and take their gold. Um, so yeah, basically a whole bunch of people are profiting off of being able to know things in the past that other people don't know and, and, and taking advantage of that to then have, and money one the man is there to stop them. Yes. This film is steeped in that. This is peak nineties action films, especially where like, it's all about the star. You're not going there because it's time cop. You're going to see this because it's Jean-Claude Absolutely. Van Damme. And, this and it's is dripping with that. It's this peak Van Damme. Have I right. have I explained to you the Van Damme bell curve? No. Okay, we'll get through the plot and then... <laughs> okay, so basically it turns out that a senator who is on the board for TEC... Ron Silver, a.k.a. Senator Aaron McComb. McComb, yes. He is basically using time travel to try and boost funding to his presidential campaign... Um, and Jonkle Van Damme tries to stop him. Like that, That's basically the plot. There's, there's no point really getting stuck in the weeds of it. That's all you really need to know. Going and they go backwards and forwards in time. Yes. And the timelines shift. It's based on the similar Back to the Future Part 2 plot point. But it's totally wrong. It's totally wrong. Okay, well, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into it because we have a difference of opinion. I absolutely love this film. And like I said... This is Peak Van Damme. Now, it's Peak Van Damme in the sense that this, may, this is the biggest grossing movie that he ever was a vehicle for him solely. Yeah, right. But on the Van Damme bell curve, now this is, the, this is my theory. This is called the Van Damme bell curve. He starts off kickboxer, blood sport, the martial arts sort of movies. Right. Did he talk much in those? Yeah, he does. Right, I mean, okay. he, he's, his, those are films are very much in that kind of Bruce Lee sort of, you know, he's the... He's the young up and comer going to make a name for himself in the in the in the sport in the sport. Yep. You know, they and then you know you go going upwards. You've got uh, Lionheart, Death Warrant, Double Impact. Not all that great, but getting good. Universal Soldier. Okay, he's hitting his stride. Nowhere to run. Him and Patricia Arquette. He's kicking ass. He's, he's an escape convict, and he's saving Patricia Arquette and her kids from the evil people. <laughs> yeah. And then hard target him and John Woo together at last. Ki- 
And then, boom, Time Cop. Absolute peak Van Damme. Right. Now, the next film is Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> the downward slide begins, okay? There's sudden death. Still okay. Still not bad, but right. we're definitely going downhill. Okay, we hit the quest. Now we're definitely on a slide. Right. Okay, it's the chick from Silk Stockings. Roger Moore's in it. Then we get to double team, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Oh, we're sliding. Wow. It's getting worse. Knockoff with him and Rob Schneider, Legionnaire. Uh, then we get into the straight-to-DVDs, Universal Soldier, The Return, Replicant. He just starts churning out these really B-grade films, like really bad um, the, there is one kind of shining jewel in, in there, which is The Order, which is essentially an Indiana Jones ripoff, right. where Jean-Claude Van Damme is at the Wailing Wall in Israel, in Jerusalem, dressed as a Hasidic Jew, and gets into a kung fu fight with people. <laughs> what? Now that... <laughs> Wait. Oh, the film's terrible. <laughs> to <laughs> see so all of this. Oh, dude. Oh, my the, God. The, uh, but I love it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you see. So this is. So this is. So yeah. So that's the okay. John Claude Van Damme bell curve, and Time Cop. I'm glad we started here because this is the actual pinnacle. This yep. is the best. This is probably the best film he ever made. Which really. Like, <laughs> oh God. I see. Yeah. I feel like this. This film. Is endemic of all the problems of '90s and '80s action films. Okay. Like we've watched RoboCop, which which you know we said was timeless. Yes. And this isn't for. All the all the reasons as to how they made films back then, despite like, the just... fact that it's called Time Cop, Ugh. it's not. Well, it's Time Cop. It's not Timeless Cop. I, it was, there were. It just it got boring. <laughs> oh oh I shit! Just, it got it it, it 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 was. It felt so cliched, and maybe that's the thing is that I just can't get past that for some reason. And I guess that's where your nostalgia is kicking, being like, "No, this is amazing." But like, no, this is. Ah, oh, this is. There's a reason why we don't make films this way anymore. It just, it just, it holds no interest for me. Like I, I, I can't explain it. Like the, this, the, the whole plot. I'm just like, oh, oh. So that's of course. You know, it's gonna be Macomb who's the evil dude. I knew that Macomb was the evil dude as soon as they had that first scene. <laughs> Classic example of bad filmmaking: the exposition dump where they have the meeting to introduce the fact that time travel exists. Yes, it's like some aide to the Next. president explaining yeah. time travel. It is. It is all exposition, except for the one shot of Macomb where, like, he looks shifty as all get out. <laughs> You're like, oh, gee, here's someone who's clearly going to misuse his position on the on the board or on the committee. The oversight, the, the Senate yeah. oversight committee. Yeah. Can I just say though, I think he's probably the in the history of film, he's the first bad guy who's ever named Aaron. Really. I, I, I don't know. I can't think of another <laughs> you feel one. Like Aaron is like a is it's is, a quintessentially is, good guy name. Okay. But his, he's a really bad guy. His name is Aaron. Aaron McComb. He, he is a terrible man. And they go. But then it's, we see Max Walker. Yes. And that and that and that scene is established in the mall, which we end up seeing at the end of the Again. film. Yes. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. I think because I have seen Back to the Future and other time travel films, a lot of that stuff, maybe I would appreciate it more if I hadn't seen any other time travel right. things because it's that. That's what works in a time travel film. Fun fact about that mall scene, well, it's not a fact, but something I noticed, the blatant 
uh, Nissan placement. Did you notice that? The, the what? There's a Nissan car that's like on sale in the mall oh, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like it's always there. <laughs> like they, whenever they establish the mall, it's like the new Nissan, like 1994. Bah! Yeah. Um, well, you know which, what? <laughs> Maybe he's going to go back in time to get that great deal, you know, when he travels back. Well, I think it just goes to show that if you want to make a film that's going to stand the test of time, you can't have product placement. <laughs> yeah, wow. It just doesn't work. Because True. you look at that stuff and you go, it just totally dates the film. Anyway, like, so, I mean, and that scene's quite clever in there. And it sets up this interesting relationship with Max and his wife. There's never enough time. Never enough for what? To satisfy a woman. Then you never want to miss an opportunity. Um, Mia Sarah, a.k.a. Sloan from, from Ferris Bueller. Fer- yeah, yeah, looking... A hell of a lot older, but still, yeah, still slow. Still looking, <laughs> yeah, still looking amazing. Who, uh, who never? She never did really. She did. I don't think she did. A, she did a heap. Um, I remember when I first saw her in Ferris Bueller. I'm like, surely she's done other things. Not really. Time cop. Time cop yes. killed her career. Time cop. Despite making a million dollars, hundred million dollars. Having a look here, she's done a bit of TV, but. Um, Gosh, there's a lot of TV movies here, which um, right. Which well, that's me. you know, that's almost second to bottoming out the backside of the porn industry, really. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, oh no, mall scene. So there's the oh, thief yeah. who steals the bag mm-hmm. on rollerblades. Oh uh, yes. Is that the most '90s thing you've ever seen? Very. Look, this could just be me imprinting it, but I feel like he's also listening to a Walkman at the same time. So it, it was in this first mall scene that we. St- kind of started to see and I could feel that thing of like how Jean-Claude Van Damme is amazing and everyone at home knows it so he can do whatever the fuck he wants mm. and like he as soon as he saw the guy on rollerblades you could see it in his eyes he's like some shit's going down yeah you don't need like he just knows he's, he's Jean-Claude Van Damme he knows <laughs> when crime is gonna happen <laughs> like he saw it coming um, and you know the, in that scene also set up the whole thing about his wife being pregnant but she's not able to tell him for whatever reason. Like we know that she knows and then he, but he doesn't and he finds out later. Yeah. He doesn't realize that she's pregnant. So anyway, so but the audience knows. So the plot in the plot, Max Walker is a cop who gets recruited to the newly formed TEC. And then on that night, after making sweet, sweet loving to his wife, she dies, but he survives. Murdered by a home invasion, and the home blows up. Yeah, he gets shot, but yeah, she she He gets shot in his bulletproof vest and survives. Then we go into the TEC. And and, um, and it's 10 years in the future. It's it's 2004, yes. Yes. We flash forward 10 years. And so it's evident that if your wife dies, it means you need to grow a mullet. Yeah. Because for Uh, some reason, he's got a mullet in 2004. Exactly. Don't know why. Well, see, in that timeline, mullets were cool again. <laughs> yeah, is that's that what they were projecting. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating the the things that they do have in two thousand and four. Um, the cars, oh, self driving cars, self driving right? cars, which, which are... they were about twelve years too early. Well, not even, maybe let's say fourteen, because really they're not quite there yet. Mm. And virtual reality. One True. of the one of the techs is Ricky. Yeah, virtual reality porn, which you know they were probably about yeah ten years early on that, but. That's actually not too bad. Like, it is, didn't there, seem is there virtual too... reality porn? Do you know something that I don't? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate. I know we we're, we're doing film. We're doing a podcast about films in the eighties. Okay. I know you weren't born yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like those cars look horrendous. Yeah, those 
those cars. The 2004 cars. The self-driving. <laughs> they, it's like they've got a whole bunch of PVC piping and then like glued them to an actual car and then like spray painted them. Yeah, they look like it's, they've taken Blade Runner cars and just spray painted them silver or something like that. It's just, they look so weird. There's, yes, I'm sorry. There's so many things about this film that just took me out of the experience. Uh, well, yeah, for me, the nostalgia factor just... Just I just oh. I just rollerblade all over yeah. those. Yeah, no. I rollerblade my past. The nineties hit you like a freight train, like that sex scene with the saxophone in the soundtrack. Oh my god. Uh, dude, if I, I <laughs> even when I make love today I still hear careless whisper. <laughs> Rest in peace, George Michael. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, and, and and actually going back to that sex scene as well, it has that classic cliched line of like the his phone ringing and her being like, no, don't, don't answer it, yeah. please don't. And he's like, nah, nah, I got it because he's a, you know, he's a good cop man. Yeah. He's got to do the thing and got to make sure he does his job right. And mm. sorry, it just drove me nuts. So anyway, so John Claude he goes back, got, finds his old partner, realizes that Macomb is. Yeah, he goes back in time to nineteen twenty nine. Twenty nine gets his yes. ex partner who's stealing, doing stocks, dodgy stock trade, or like buying yeah. up stock that he knows will. Will be earn money in the future. In 2004, yeah. And for Macomb's uh, presidential, presidential campaign. campaign. And then he realizes that Macomb is pulling strings. Yeah, something that we've known for 10 years because, yeah. you know, <laughs> camera work. <laughs> the audience knows it, but John Claude hasn't quite caught up. So that's what I don't understand. Why? I just feel like. They just emphasized him the wrong way in that scene. I'm sorry. I have so many problems with this. That's film. all right. <laughs> but in that scene, in the scene, so. They before he arrests his ex partner, there is one of the classic five John Claude Van Damme moments, which I'm going to list right now. And this is number one: somebody gets punched in the dick by Jean Claude Van Damme. Not necessarily, but usually. Well, and this is, but (laughs) but there's a twist on this one. This time, I think he hits somebody with a like a pool cue in the nuts. It's when he's fighting those guys. No, I remember. I remember it specifically in the 1929. He he. Jam somebody in the dick with a with a pool yep. cue or, or a lamp or something like that, um, and every John Claude Van Damme there's the splits. Yes, and he this and this is pays off big time. The splits save him throughout the film, which is fantastic. I I, I actually love that. I think and, that's uh, great. When he's about to get electrocuted uh, by the taser <laughs> and it shoots into the water, he does the splits yeah. and hits the water and kills the guy who shot the taser. I mean, Classic that's, that's Van about- Damme. immediately after he gets his ex-partner that's the scene after oh right the thugs come 2004 yeah yeah. into when they flash back to 2004 he brings his partner to justice because he um and the way his partner is brought to justice and this is this is i think actually clever his ex-partner jumps out of the 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 window the window of 1929 and it's it appears as if you know it's like because the cliche 1929 is all these stockbrokers are committing suicide yeah so he grabs them hits the button on his belt and so they fall into the time ripple and go backwards in time and then when they pass judgment on his ex-partner they, they just, just let him go and he falls to his back. death i like the way that they do the time travel back even though it is right horrible the physics of it are just absolutely well, neil degrasse tyson i'd like to see him send out a few tweets about no, but, this but just the pure logic of the time travel right is that for some reason to go back in time <laughs> they well, there's a couple of things that are wrong yeah. now that I now that I'm unpacking yeah. it. Okay. 
to go back in time, he has to get into this shuttle thing which fires at God knows how many miles per hour at a solid brick wall, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. But to go back to 2004, oh, you just press a button on your belt. Oh, good man. And then you come backwards out of the time I totally capsule. didn't. Yeah. It's... It doesn't matter, dude. He does a fucking roundhouse <laughs> kick and, <laughs> and knocks somebody out, okay? That's all that matters. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't have to, This man. film is not at the level where we can decide whether or not the time travel works. It's like, it's clearly not operating on a level where we're going to say, but multiple timelines, multiple universes. Like, it's impossible to go forward in time. Right, and that's there, what they establish. But everyone's going forward in time. And therein lies the biggest plot hole that I will grant you. <laughs> I will grant you this because they say you can't go f- forward in time because it hasn't happened. But yet... When Max Walker goes back to the scene where his wife dies, like the home invasion, yep. it's revealed that it, that's, those are Macomb's thugs from yep. 2004. So obviously the future has already happened. There's a whole lot of timey-wimey bullshit happening in this film which does not hold up under scrutiny. Well, because there's two times of time travel movies where there's the deterministic time travel right. where the future is fixed. And so no matter what you do, you can't change the future. It's like H.G. Wells' time machine. Which is pretty easy example. to write. When you think about it, it's like (laughs) what you're basically talking about is the concept of is the that concept basically dictates what the plot of the film is going to be, or the 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 crux of the film is that no matter what you try to change, you can't change anything. But yet, this film is actually the second type of time travel movie, which is a non-deterministic time travel Hmm. movie where you can events that you change in the past will have ramifications in the future. But it or or is it because? But see, that's the thing. It's like it plays with both. It's like it's clearly not operating on a level where we're going to say, but multiple timelines, multiple universes. Like I, I, I can, I can understand that. But when, but when you explicitly say that one thing can't happen, but it's central to the me- to a mechanic in the film. Look, like, the plot doesn't matter, man. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. I, so they go backwards. So what happens is. He continually jumps backwards and forwards in time yep. to 1994 and 2004. Hmm. Things get changed in 1994. So Macomb kills his ex-business partner to, to get control of the microchip. That, so he can get more money. So he can get more money for it. But, um, and, and then when, he, when, when Van Damme flashes, goes forward in time, yep. the past has been changed and they're just about to dismantle the whole TEC program. Yeah, which is clearly, which is obviously, it's like, oh, so Macomb is just making sure that none, that his presidential campaign isn't going to be in jeopardy. Yeah. And, and actually, um, the interesting thing with the time travel in this film is from a budgetary perspective, I think they did it quite, quite, it was quite clever. Because when they go back to 1929, mm-hmm. it seems like pretty well established. Like they actually do a really good job of keeping that pretty faithful to. Like to to look genuine, mm. and you kind of go, oh, okay, they've really pulled out all the stops for this. This but is a, I mean, this was. You have to remember, like, this was like when I say this is peak Van Damme. This was his biggest budget. This is in the but, period when they're they're giving him the biggest budget in the movies, right? But after having said after that, Street Fighter, yeah, that was it. Yeah, but having said that, though, a majority of the film takes place in 1994. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> so at the end of the day. There's not a hell of a lot of complicated production design apart from the TEC offices. Yeah. True. We very rarely and see his the apartment outside, in, in yeah. 2004 as well. So at the end of the day, it's still a film based in 1994 because that's where most of the major plot points True. actually occur. Because, yeah, when he, cause he 
keeps traveling back to 1994 because he has to stop Macomb in 1994 and then he has to go back to 1994 again. Exactly. Right as, right. So the final, so he gets shot into the past as the thing is being dismantled and McCone's goons are coming and they shoot Bruce McGill, his boss. And why is it that these goons who are protecting a time machine and clearly know how it works, when they stand to shoot, um, yeah, uh, Walker's boss, Bruce McGill, right behind the fucking boosters on the time machine and get burnt alive. (laughs) Sorry. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Is that the is that what I'm gonna keep hearing for the re- whenever we record these episodes? Is I'll find something that's monumentally stupid in a film. I'll I'll say- give you one right now that's monumentally stupid. So in the 2004, when he comes back and Macomb has changed the changed the um the past. Yep. So Bruce McGill doesn't remember John Claude Van Damme as his best friend, and John Claude Van Damme has to convince him that in this alternate <laughs> timeline we were best friends. So that's why you should do this with me. That makes no sense <laughs> whatsoever. And yeah, and he just rides it. He just goes, he just "Okay, ri- sure." Yeah, he just believes him, and then gets killed in the process <laughs> of sending him back in time. There's absolutely no logical reason why, like, for the character choice, like, the, if they if they've reestablished the the 2004 altered timeline, that Bruce McGill. His character, which I'm trying, I can't remember. He's to got a weird name. I'm looking. I'm trying to look for it now. Uh, Matuzak. 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 Yes. That Matuzak doesn't remember them being best friends. Why in the hell should he give his life to send this guy back to yeah. recreate a future that he doesn't believe exists? Yeah, exactly. Like he, he has no it idea. Doesn't what matter. The, the guys get fucking <sighs> dis- get burned to death by. The Rockets. That's all that matters. Now, one fascinating thing about watching this film, you know, uh, in 2017, mm-hmm. is <laughs> Macomb himself, a couple of things that he wants. Yep. A, a lot like Trump's policies. <laughs> the country's going down the drain because of the special interests. We need someone in the White House who's so rich, doesn't have to listen to anybody. What's that? The senator was having a fundraiser. You know, I'm in office. It's going to be like the 80s again. Top 10% will get richer. The other 90% can emigrate to Mexico where they can live a better life. Oh, yeah. He specifically says he wants people to go to Mexico. He wants to send people to Mexico who don't like him. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That was weird. And, and, and again, it's centered around that idea here that he's just a dude who's managed to get himself a lot of money. Yeah. Mind you, Trump didn't win off the back of money, but we won't get that's stuck a, into that. not a political but, podcast. But um, it was just very... It was an interesting... Uh, whenever I see a parallel like that where it's almost as if they've predicted something that's happened to me only three yeah. days ago. Well, yeah, because the other thing too is it kind of prefigures the... In a way, it already had started happening, but the absolute... like The, the, the plot device is that Aaron McComb, Senator McComb, is essentially whoever can spend the most money wins the presidency. They, yeah. they establish that in the world, mm. that that is the, that yeah, is the end at, goal. At points in the film, McComb's like... Yeah, he's flagging in the polls and he's got no money to to, to buy yeah. TV ads or whatever. And so if you can just spend it, it, basically they're just establishing, if you can spend enough, you win the presidency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another terrible plot hole too is that the Macomb in 2004 smashes his, uh, his you know, his gopher's head against, or his pollster, <laughs> or his, like, his campaign manager's head yeah, against, the, against the limo. And he's got a bloody nose. And then when we flash back to the alternate timeline, 2004, he's got the same, he's got the tissues, bloody nose. That would have changed. <laughs> That's actually totally wrong. It doesn't matter. Well, Do you I'm, know why? No, I would because the fucking house 
blows up. John Claude Van Damme blows everybody up in the house at the end. No, and he kills Macomb by pushing <laughs> his old self into his current self. Oh, yes. That, so Chekhov's, that, that? that Chekhov's gun. So, yeah, no. So, was it? <laughs> I don't think it's. Just, just for the. I want to go on record here is I don't think anyone has ever used the term Chekhov's gun in relation to a John Claude Van Damme film. So, this, this could be a historical but I, moment. But I feel like these 80s and 90s films are all littered with. Chekhov's oh, yeah. guns, oh. like that's that's pretty much all they are about, almost. Like that's whatever ends up being the thing that defeats the the final villain is yeah. usually a Chekhov gun type thing. Which for people who don't know, it's where something is established usually in the first act of the film, sometimes in the you know early in the second act, which ends up becoming very very relevant at the end of the film in sort of the final climax or in some kind of turning point. Which in this case is when Macomb meets his younger self for the first time and says, "Don't touch me." The same matter can't occupy the same space in time, which, okay, I'll pay that. That's fine. I'm I'm actually cool with that being a thing. It's I don't have too much of a problem with it. Like, like there there, right. there needs to be something, some kind of caveat to this time travel. It's a conceit because you know in 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 Back to the Future before you know Doc Brown really knew what was going on. He he had no idea what would happen. He was like, if you interact with your past self or future self you know the time space continuum could totally collapse or you know mm. whatever so i'm kind of i'm gonna let that that's fine let, you're gonna that, let that one go let that go through the keeper that's okay. all good but um but yeah so thank that's you what, i'm that, very glad <laughs> that ends up being how macomb dies is that john claude van damme throws his younger self onto his older self you two should be closer keep him away from me same matter can occupy some space. Well, see, this is the thing. I felt like the Jean Claude Van Damme cliches were quite measured. In this film. Like there was only like it, it, they didn't happen that much. Well, so another cliche of his films is duality. Duality often plays a role in his films, or right. him playing a double role. Ah. So double impact, where he's playing twins separated at birth. Yep. But this is Time Cop has that dual role for him, mm-hmm. where he's um, playing his future self and his past self, and the mullet definitely helps him <laughs> pull that off. Right. Yeah. yeah. But there's a f- several actually- several of his films have him in a dualistic role or playing with him playing mo- multiple roles in the movie. Even the order where he's a Hasidic rabbi at one point. <laughs> there's, there's, he's dressed up. No, but right. he, he, ha- he has a dual role in that movie. But he quite often has dual roles. But I guess that's a good point where, yeah, the final scene where there are two Jean-Claude Van Dams in 1994 mm. is, yeah, one of them having a mullet is actually quite helpful from a filmmaking perspective because it makes it easy for the audience to distinguish mm. who's who. So I will grant it that. But still, those 1994 thugs look... This is this, but here's but this brings in an interesting aspect of the Van Damme films. Right, he is quite often the wounded hero. Right, okay. He was often in that type of role. Is he was, whereas you know Stallone was usually, you know, kind of a more of a damaged guy or you know uh, kind of an under you know usually playing like these kind of underdog figures. Van Damme is usually cast in these sort of wounded hero roles, unlike, well, I'd say it's similar to Stallone, but Stallone was more like, you know, Rocky, he's the underdog. Rambo, he's the kind of the, the forgotten guy. Yeah. You know, Schwarzenegger was always super big and macho. You know, Seagal was, well, 
whatever cigar. Just always amazing. Yeah. Just, just the best. Just regardless of who it is. He could be a, yeah. he could be a chef. And no emotion. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess I guess that just the main problem I have with this film is is because I had I didn't see it when it come when it came out and it's just all of the it's so laden with cliches that I'm tired of. Oh no, it was the same back get, then. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I just couldn't get past the timeline it. hasn't been changed. It just bored me to tears at some okay. points. I mean, some of the, look, some of the 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 action scenes are, are pretty good. Um the effects hold, held up to me. Well, yeah. Actually, yeah, you know what? The the traveling through time or well, back to the future stuff was was fine. Like it actually didn't look too horrible. Mm. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's not not one that I would. Go it back didn't flow your boat. No. Well, let's look at like the who who. who let's look at let's look at who we can blame for this, Antonio. Director <laughs> Peter Hyams. Well, so like I was reading up on the film and and um, and yeah, so like Peter Hyams quoted as saying that um you know because they made a film another film straight after this one uh Jean-Claude Van Damme and, and Sudden Peter Death. yeah and saying that you know they didn't plan to necessarily do two films straight off the back but you know it says it was a really clever story and I thought Time Cop was a chance to make the best Van Damme ever made he was right <laughs> According yeah. to me, according well, no, according to the box office, it was the be- it was the most successful Van Damme film ever made, which I still just find it hard to believe. I but and Hyam's direction to me was good in the sense that he cut he keeps the action moving, the plot while it has huge holes in it, and you know there's a there's a lot like there's a lot of problems with the script. Yeah, I but, see, I felt like when it wasn't when there wasn't any action, the story was dragging. Oh really? Because I didn't. I I feel like the the pace of the movie moves at a pretty fair clip, aside from the time when he goes and watches uh, the video of him of Van Damme watches the video. Oh, the home video. That's that was bad. Look, I'll 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 ta- I'll, I'll, I'll concede <laughs> that point is that that was cliche. And, and of terrible. course, he knows every single line because he's watched it so many times. Yeah, that was bad. Don't I mean, need, we don't really need to see that scene. I mean, his wife is dead. She exploded in her in their in their home. Yes. He's broken up. We know this. We come back. We we flash ten years in the future. He has a mullet. We know he's not having a good day. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's 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 just not happy at all. In he's wounded. He's the wounded hero. That's Van Damme. But you see, like talking about the pacing of the film, it's actually it's not a super long film. It's only just under a hundred minutes. Yeah, but it. It felt longer to me. Oh, really? I felt it like it moved along at a fair clip because Peter Hyams, while he's never real, this is actually probably his most successful film as well. <laughs> I'll say. Right. Um, he did a few kind of action movies, a few sort of supernatural stuff. Was never a blockbuster director, but um, did a movie about uh, with O.J. Simpson uh, called Capricorn One, I believe, about faking a Mars landing. Right, and yep. he also did the sequel to two thousand and one called two thousand and ten. He also the, did it the ter- year we make contact. Yes, um, and also a terrible movie called The Presidio with Sean Connery, Meg Ryan, and the dude from NCIS, uh, which is just terrible. It's a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the list of films he's made, and there's nothing that jumps out as me as recognizable. That's um, that's that's Peter Hines, but yeah. you know, interestingly though, he does he is the director of photography on some of his movies as well, which I thought was interesting. Right, you don't, one of the, one you of those, don't yeah. see too many of those dual DOP directors aside from maybe what Soderbergh does it. 
Yeah, I think he does. Um, Soderbergh, Soderbergh shoots like there's the lighting. I know, like Doug Lyman um, likes to look, or at the very least, yeah, he'll always get his face on the eyepiece of the camera, yeah. whether or not he's the actual DOP. Soderbergh is definitely his own DOP in a yeah. lot of movies. Not every movie, but he right. he does he does DOP some of his movies. I mm. think under a pseudonym. Um, but aside from that, the scripting by Mike Richardson and Mark Verhidian. So formulaic. <laughs> I just, it's just. Well, they're comic uh, book writers, but but, but and, and the rest of most yeah. of what they've done is they they were they were comic book writers who also collaborated on 1994's The Mask. Right, came out the same year. So uh, two big hits for them actually. Well, see, I think, and The Mask was a film that I wasn't allowed to see as a kid, and I've always, and I still have not seen in full. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, but how it'd be interesting to see what like what that comic book is. Like I've seen parts of the mask. Uh, the mask comic book. Yeah. 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 Well, this, so these guys both came out of comic book writing. So what you're saying is too much, too much comic book, not enough, uh, scripting. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not necessarily blaming the medium it came from. I just think that it's a perfect example of just action film fodder from the nineties. It's too paint by numbers for yes, you. Absolutely. Paint okay. by numbers. And well, I'm not sure if there's much else I can say about it. It's okay. just, there was, Yeah. I, it's just, it just, it didn't hold me. I really wanted it to. I was excited because it was Jean-Claude Van Damme, but the fact that it, I just, after, after watching it, I was like, oh, well, hopefully there are better JCVD <laughs> films out there. Well, look, there, there are, I will, I will admit that I think most of my enjoyment of this film comes from the fact that I loved Jean-Claude Van Damme back in the day. Right. Still love him today. Yeah. But this movie is just a perfect example of... It, it's probably like, yeah, like it's it's some of the more high-tech movies that he did. Most of his movies, the, the good ones at least, don't yep. deal with tech in any sort of way. Well, maybe that's part of the problem, is that there's all of that getting in the way of just really good set pieces. Because some, like... The, the set pieces are good. They yeah, act, no. they, you know he's because he combines um, the kung fu sort of martial arts fighting style with gun shooting. Yeah, and like the the climactic scene at his place, um, you know where Macomb gets dematified or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Like that that whole scene, which probably feels like goes for about ten minutes, is quite good. Like it's orchestrated really well. I mean, I did lose track of what was going on once or twice, but. Um, but, yeah, no, that was quite entertaining. Mm. Um, and also, yeah, like the fight scene in 1929 was great. Stuff in the warehouse was pretty good too. Um, but, yeah, just it tying all together and that story just didn't <laughs> the story, do, do it The story is what lets it down. Yeah. yeah. Well, as opposed to like what we watched uh, last time, Robocop, which had no character. Yeah. I feel like at least the Jean-Claude Van Damme character, you – is fleshed out somewhat. Yeah, but he can't really act oh. that well. Oh, oh. I could You're hear t- the entire nation of Belgium <laughs> just collectively groaning. Like, is this the best example? In disbelief, example? I is, should say. Okay, is this <laughs> that, film... That, I, that, that, could, that sentiment could be misconstrued. <laughs> is this film the best example of his acting prowess? Ooh, good question. Uh. <laughs> I really hope it's not. No, I would say actually Nowhere to Run is a better example of him acting because that's Be- him 
that's that's actually much more of a love story, right? With him and Rosanna Arquette. Right. Yeah. How about too that he went, when he comes back to the to the reestablished timeline of two thousand and four, mm. the 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 I almost will say the third time because actually it's it's a third timeline when at the final at the end of the film because yes. he has a son. <laughs> How crazy would that be <laughs> to like actually, come back yeah. to your house <laughs> and you've got this nine year old kid? How do, that's actually. Here's an interesting thing. I want to see that movie of where you have to figure out, holy shit, I have a nine-year-old kid who I have no relationship with. How do I fake this? Or even like, yeah, the kid finding out that his dad is actually this time-traveling dude and that's the reason why he doesn't know who he is. Or yeah, like but, the- but nobody... That's the thing. Is nobody knows except for Van Damme. Yeah. He's essentially the entire universe revolves right. around Van Damme, which is the way... A good roundhouse kick is done coincidentally. <laughs> the right. entire universe. So, the, so, so Time Cop is actually an analog for it's a JCVD yeah. as as a person. Yeah, and an action that's star. The, that's that's actually on my Van Damme hit list. Like uh, of things that always have to be in a Van Damme movie is the is the helicopter. The yeah, the roundhouse kick. kick. Yeah, the yeah. roundhouse kick. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this actually, this film, I think, does not feature a roundhouse kick. Ah. Uh. You might be right. It doesn't. Actually. Fe- it does not feature a full roundhouse. Definitely, kick. definitely the splits. Like I gotta say, yeah, the 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 fighting in it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you so, kind of said before it incorporates some of the kung fu, but it's not straight up martial arts. Mm. It's just like that action punch movie up. fighting. Yeah. yeah, it's uh. But the 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 other the last thing in of uh, things in Van Damme movies is children. There's almost always children or some right. aspect repeat a repeating motif of children. Yeah, are often in his films, okay. and this is another. This is this, this definitely ticks that box of he's that waiting. being the motivating yeah. factor. Yeah, is that he's lost a child that he didn't even realize he was going to have. Mm. You know, uh, and then and then it kind of in Marty McFly style, Back to the Future Part One. Yeah, you know, comes back to the reconstituted timeline, and you know, oh, all e- this everything's okay. Everything is fabulous. <laughs> Um, but you could see the pain in his eyes, yeah, you know, like, yeah, how sure, am I going to deal with my yeah, wife right. coming back and I have a kid now? I have a nine year old. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, there was the, okay. There was one last thing that I would like to complain about. <laughs> Please don't one liners. Oh, the typical action film one liners. Was there no good ones? They were terrible. You're I think right, the best are, thing that right. John Claude Van Damme came up with is that's got to hurt after like, a dude fell off a building. Yeah. English is his second language. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that, that was all, I think that was probably part of the reason why I didn't enjoy it is because even the cheese wasn't tasty. Like, mm. it's... Yeah. I'm sorry. I really came into it wanting to enjoy it. Uh, oh, well. And it didn't quite make it for me. You just don't see it. Oh, well. On that uplifting note, this has been <laughs> Too Old for This Shit where we watch 80s and 90s action movies and relive the glory or not. Or or feel disappointed for the very first time. (laughs) So disappointed. Last but not least, the social media plug. Like us on Facebook at TOFTS Podcast and follow us on Twitter at TOFTS Podcast to stay up to date and send us any movie review suggestions. Make sure you also subscribe on your podcasting app of choice and leave us a review. It helps. It really does.
excellent example of things that did not survive into the future, which is when the but character I mean, that because so when he, when John Claude goes back to get his ex partner from the 1929 when the stock yeah. crash is happening when the when the Great Depression is about to happen, mm. his ex partner is listening to a mini disc player. Right. See, Which, I didn't think they were around in the ninety in the early nineties. But I guess that's, that's, that's but but they were they had just come out around that ah, point, right. and so and they did not survive. <laughs> no, <laughs> mini disc did not. Mini disc will go down with Coke too, as uh, did not survive. <laughs> oh, the new Coke. Yeah, new Coke. <laughs> but like crystal clear Pepsi. 